today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Ten years after that, you know, circa 2017, um, you have the four largest chat platforms in the world eclipsing the active user base of the four largest social media platforms. And so for us, that became the era of what we call the chat economy. And so we as a company were the first to launch chat banking on the largest chat platform in the world for APSA Bank in 2018. And so, you know, for us going forward, we are in early innings of a very exciting space called ChatComps. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. As chat platforms have eclipsed the size of the largest social networks, businesses are increasingly using them to service their customers. Some financial institutions are even enabled for customers to transact over chat. Peter DeVilliers, co-founder and CEO of Clickatel, joins me on the podcast to talk about his vision 20 years ago for mobile experiences. Now his firm covers more than 220 territories, 1,000 networks, and 85% of the world's population with an SMS reach of more than 5 billion users. Peter and I talk about banks embracing chat apps like WhatsApp to reach their customers. With chat banking, customers can get digital banking customer support, account management, and bill payment services right from within chat. Peter DeVilliers is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, Zach. I'm Peter DeVilliers, co-founder of Clickatel, and we essentially help large consumer brands to connect, interact, and transact with their customers where they are. So, so unlike many guests sitting in, in, in your chair, Pieter, um, you know, they're, they're some of the oldest companies that we've interviewed, at least on the fin, in the fintech side, are you know, 10 years old. Um, you've been at this for 20 years. What was, what was the sort of founding mandate and, and, and why get into this space? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, quite a story. When we founded the company, we had a very simple objective. And that was how do we connect the fastest growing commerce platform in the world, which was the internet at the time, with the fastest growing communications platform in the world, the mobile phone. It's actually quite ironic to think that back in 2000, those two worlds were not collided and they could not interoperate. So in November 2000, we launched four lines of code that enabled any website to send a mobile text message and that really became the first SMS API in the world. And were you thinking about um, servicing financial services firms at that time, or was it really focused on, on commerce? It was not focused on financial services at the time. It was really about how do you bring this commerce universe to communications? And we've always been interacting in this sort of convergence space between those. But financial services happened to be the early adopters and early movers. And so, um, we launched the first transaction alert on SMS uh, in the world for a bank called First National Bank back in the day. This was circa 2002. Um, and we also did some of the first one-time pins in the world for WhatsApp and the like. So certainly, you know, financial services and authentication became use cases that the early adopters um, went with, and we served them in that case. And how have um, demands from the, from the financial services industry evolved over time? Like take us up to today. Yeah, the way we look at it um, is, you know, in the late 1997s, you had what we call the internet economy. So that brought about with it, you know, e-commerce and internet banking. And again, the banking financial services sector were early adopters and you, 
almost have every bank you know out there with a fairly large audience doing internet banking within a couple of years. Ten years later, uh, you had another major shift in the marketplace where smartphones and iPhones were launched and um, marketplaces like app stores were launched and it ushered in what we call the app economy. And ergo, you also had then app banking um, and app commerce. And so 10 years after that, you know, circa 2017, um, you have the four largest chat platforms in the world eclipsing the active user base of the four largest social media platforms. And so for us, that became the era of what we call the chat economy. And so we as a company were the first to launch chat banking on the largest chat platform in the world for APSA Bank in 2018. And so, you know, for us going forward, we are in early innings of a very exciting space called ChatComps. So, so I, you've mentioned a few different use cases. Um, I guess it's worthwhile now kind of drilling down into each of those. I mean, there's obviously the authentication piece, um, but then there's also customer service and there's also transactional banking through chat. Like, can you talk about how Clickatel addresses those different areas? Yeah, so, um, you know, in many markets, the driving force for technology uh, adoption uh, is different. Um, certainly in markets like South Africa, um, or other emerging markets, there's a big delta between smartphone penetration and devices and data plan access and cost versus what banks' desires are in terms of serving their clients on a digital channel. So for them, it's a very uh, logical economic decision, which is, you know, I can grow my 18 to 22% mobile banking app penetration to 71%, which is the chat platform penetration uh, by simply leveraging my existing assets. So part of what we do for these banks is take the existing chat banking uh, or mobile banking infrastructure and backend processes, but extend it over onto the chat channels. And so helping them reach more customers on these digital channels more conveniently. And I guess, I guess my question as a corollary to that is when, when you are extending them onto these chat platforms, what are the activities that they're performing there? Is that primarily customer service? Does it go to the transactional layer? Yeah. So it starts off typically as a customer service. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't believe any brand wants to put their customer on hold and most of the brands actually don't want to, um, but they are stuck in an analog voice call center world where scaling those environments is difficult. Um, but it starts off to your point with customer service, you know, what's my balance, where can I find an ATM, you know, can you confirm the last transaction, and then eventually it moves over to bill payment type experiences, and so we do uh, double digit in the millions of payment transactions for several banks per month uh, on things like telecoms billing use cases. Interesting. And I guess if, can, can you give us a little bit of a view in, into your client's world, like how mature are, are banks, uh, the banking sector in general about adopting, move, moving from customer service? Because it looks like that's, that's pretty much table stakes now into like becoming more transactional oriented over chat. Yeah, when we think it's table stakes, um, unfortunately, a lot of banks in, in the US, uh, Canada and elsewhere have experimented with chatbots, 
now unleashing a chatbot on a customer is not improving customer experiences. And there's been a bit of a pullback as a result. And I think one needs to be quite mindful of what is the customer journey you're creating and is it indeed better and living up to the expectations. So, so while customer service is the first port of call and should be table stakes, I think what you'll see in um, reality and on the ground is that a lot of banks have to redo their initial sort of customer chat self-serve banking uh, projects. That said, um, from customer service, it moves into a transactional environment. Can I, because many banks, if you think about it, have to stave off you know, these um, very aggressive challenger banks uh, and the big delta between a traditional bank and a challenger bank are really the unit economics and the efficiencies of, of how they run their operations. So not only do a bank gain significant value if they get customer service right, there's um, massive cost uh, savings uh, benefit, but then on the transactional side, just to close off the point, um, you can actually then get into other revenue streams and unit economics like bill payments, um, uh, et cetera. That's an interesting point you make, Peter, because we definitely have heard that on, a, on this podcast and on Tearsheet in general, like, you know, there was sort of a, uh, sort of a fervor, you know, building around AI bots and chat bots a couple of years ago, um, some of the banks launched their own brands. Um, and then we didn't hear about it for a couple of years. We've been commenting on that this year. And, and that's because it didn't really work for some of these banks. Like, is that because of the the difference that you were making between an automated bot versus just a chat channel for customer service? So our proposition, since we've been working in banks for many, many years, um, centers around the customer journey and experience and less so around the technology stack. But the technology stack allows you to first and foremost, connect with your customer on any channel of their choice. Second of all, orchestrate with drag and drop um, capabilities, your different use cases or customer journeys that's most important to you and that creates the most friction um, compared to your call center journeys. Uh, and then ultimately actually complete the transaction because most of the time when you and I engage with a brand, we don't only want to query a, a transaction, we also want to perhaps fulfill or complete a transaction. So, but it then breaks out to an agent desk at any point in time, if you get stuck with the automation journeys. And that's a very important piece that you can't, you know, forsake your customer just on automation and hope that they navigate. You have to give them a fallback on an agent desk, and then you can use those same technologies to support the agent itself to get to the answer and the resolution faster. But just to your point, Zach, and I'm gonna ramble on, but it's, it's super important that, you know, um, the initial chatbots deployments were driven by AI um, hype. Um, and really uh, were quite disappointing in the expectation. Uh, you can achieve a lot with simple customer journeys. Um, for example, simply knowing who you are when you reach out to the bank, not having to spell your name and you know, figure out your address details and things like that. Oh, they are very simple wins that one mm -hmm. can achieve and, and customers are loving uh, these experiences when they're done right. I like that idea that they're the simple wins that help to... Uh propel the customer on that journey. So can you talk about, um, I guess, some use cases that your clients are using um, within banking, you know, that are, that are novel or worth mentioning that, that are improving sort of the, the customer experience? Yeah. So I think, you know, um, 
there's the usual suspect use cases. You know, if you go to the most of the call center data sets and, and, and reports, you'll find that, you know, it's the typical 80-20 scenario where consumers want to do the same thing over and over with their bank. And it's not difficult to help, you know, get those FAQs automated. Um, and to your point, that should be the first part of call. And we typically would start with menu-driven resolutions because it's not that foreign to a customer and they can get, navigate through it and it feels a little bit more tactile. But then we, we can quickly go into keywords and or full AI. Uh, in terms of the more unique cases, you know, um, Absa Bank um, in South Africa was the first to launch on the WhatsApp channel. And in that experience, you can say, pay Zach $30 um, and it will come back with a single message and says, confirming paying Zach uh, account number ending XYZ, $30, yes or no, and that's it, you're done. Now, I'm not sure how long um, you've been outside of the US, Zach, but you know, doing a wire transfer, even a Zelle payment takes a whole lot more effort and, and uh, steps. Uh, than that. And I think a lot of the heavy lifting happens behind the scenes around authentication, um, uh, validating the aliases and everything else to make sure that fraud uh, doesn't uh, hijack the transaction and, and, and diminish the experience. But, but payments ultimately with a third party or friends and family are things we naturally do on chat and are things that we enable for these banks and the, and the larger brands. That makes a lot of sense. And Pieter, based in South Africa, like what is your um, geographic um, exposure for Click and Tell? Like you are a global company, right? Correct. My, my entire executive team uh, uh, sits in the US. Mm -hmm. um, however, uh, I made a personal choice to, to be back in South Africa after being in the Bay Area for 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, at the right, people are, you know, uh, moving from the Bay Area. You know, it may have been just an early adopter, but that <laughs> right. said, there's still, you know, a very strong contingent of our team uh, in the Bay Area. And I think that, you know, payments uh, in emerging markets are super interesting um, and, and certainly have eclipsed anything that's happened in the U.S. in recent years in terms of innovation. And that's Agreed, why yeah. uh, having a strong presence here is important. But the U.S. and the North American market is about a third of our business mm -hmm. with the other two thirds spread between Europe and uh, Mesa. Got it. And I, I agree with you about, um, you know, Asia and emerging markets um, eclipsing the U.S. in terms of innovation, um, particularly in payments. But uh, so, so that leads me to my next question. Um, you know, we've seen uh, chat platforms in Asia really become sort of the, the crux of a, of a user's everyday life through banking and ordering. It's all through the chat app. That's not necessarily the case in the U.S., even though chat usage is up, people aren't, aren't haven't yet availed themselves in the same way. Um, do, you, do you see sort of cross-pollination between that? Do you see the U.S. moving in that direction that Asia has? Yeah, we believe, um, first of all, Jack, I think it's important to know that chat commerce is in its first innings, right? It's early mm -hmm. days. A lot of the technology sets um, that we provide and our competitors provide really were not available uh, with the right level of confidence, you know, even, you know, 18 months ago. But we are at a point now where the, um, the use cases for the US, I believe, will center around convenience. 
um, you know, again, whether it's Comcast or PG&E or AT&T, your customer experience with those brands are certainly less than optimal. And so we believe that there's a massive opportunity for chat and chat commerce to do better uh, when it comes to a uh, consumer's engagement with, with a large brand. Uh, but you're right that you know, the driving forces for China, even India with Paytm, and perhaps even if you throw in Kenya's Mpesa, were very different. Um, but at the same time, consumers have got used to Uber-like, you know, Airbnb-like experiences, um, even an Amazon-like experience, yet um, those brands that they typically engage with um, have quite a way to go. And, and we believe chat commerce is the answer. So it's almost like you started ClickIt's out 20 years ago to be in the right space at this very moment, right? Like, I mean, you've been in this, the right space the whole time, but it's like everything's kind of coming together for you guys, it sounds like. Um, where are we headed next then? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, a 20-year journey to, for a perfect storm to be able to act because that's, you know, kind of what, what one of our board members commented as well. And I think mm -hmm. if, you're, if, you're, if you're patient enough and, and you can sustain and survive, um, sometimes the timing will eventually work for you. Uh, where to next? Um, we, we believe that uh, the momentum that we're seeing for large consumer brands, in particular, you know, the financial services sector, um, is quite frankly the wave that we want to continue to ride. Um, we feel we have an unfair advantage in that space right now. There's a lot of communication platforms and service players who can do the communication chat side. Uh, but we're really uniquely positioned uh, as having more traction with both the communication and the commerce side than any one of our competitors right now. And, you know, there's a recent transaction yesterday uh, where Facebook announced the purchase of customer, which is a validation of that this chat customer service space is going to be huge. Um, and at the same time, many large brands, Google, Apple, et cetera, are making investments uh, on the commerce side. So, we think we'll be well-placed to, to be a real player in the market and really help the brands do better for their clients. I want to ask one question before we end. Um, and that is what you've seen um, in your role, uh, the impact COVID-19 has had on sort of your business and, and, and chat and chat commerce in general. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't want to quote the same, you know, things that people are quoting around the, the COVID bump and digital commerce. But what I can say to you, Zach, is that we, we serve one of the largest airlines in the world, for example, and they went down 96%. We serve probably the largest brand in hospitality and they went down 64%. And so it's actually quite frightening if you, if you think about the impact COVID's had in certain industries, totally random. You know, they, they could not predict it. No McKinsey consultant could tell you this is going to happen necessarily, or even if they did, you didn't plan for it. So we are we are uh, cautiously excited, optimistic and excited about where commerce is going, just generally on digital. But at the same time, um, we realize that, that those brands that we serve have to totally rethink their customer engagement models, their efficiencies, their economics. Um, and I think having, you know, uh, 10, 5,000 person call centers, um, it's just not going to cut it when you have to re- uh, calibrate your operating model. And so we are right there to help them and see how we can be helpful. Peter, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thanks for the opportunity, Zach.